0: Listener production.
1: Technology stocks lead Wall Street higher in a mixed session for Northern Hemisphere equity markets.
0: And a flat start to trade is expected in Australia on Tuesday, ahead of key wages data and earnings from CSL. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Tuesday, the 15th of August.
1: Welcome to the ComSec Market Update. One more sleep, Ryan. We've got the first semi tonight. Sweden uh, versus Spain. Yes, that'll be a big game, actually, won't it? It will. Over in Eden Park. We've failed, though, because we have promised our listeners that we won't talk about sport, but it's very difficult when the Tillys are front of mind for everyone. But something that was front of mind for Northern Hemisphere stocks last night was the recovery for US technology names, which have been absent from the winner's circle for a while. But overnight, the NASDAQ rose 1.1%, the S&P 500 up 06 the Dow Jones up 0.1%. of a percent, Two-year government bonds up by a decent clip. Seven basis points to 4.96%. A 10-year Treasury note, just a little bit higher at 4.19%. So that's up by about two basis points. European stocks were a mixed affair. In London, the FTSE was down by a quarter of a percent. The French market up 0.1% and the German DAX was up by half of 1%. The Stock 600 index just in positive territory. Two-year bonds up three basis points and 10-year bonds pretty stable up by one basis point. It was all about NVIDIA last
0: night, Tom. Mm, NVIDIA shares closed up 7.1%, marking a significant turnaround for the chip giant. Shares got a boost after Morgan Stanley reiterated NVIDIA as a top pick ahead of earnings results, which are due next week. So markets are expecting a blockbuster report from NVIDIA and Morgan Stanley of course, focused on the power of artificial intelligence. And we did see the Van Eyck Semiconductor ETF index up 3%, they it's still down more than 6% in
1: August. Indeed. So one of the key numbers just mentioned in terms of the performances was the 10-year Treasury note that close to 4.2%. That rise has been a key factor in the underperformance of tech names in recent weeks. But they just sniffed at those yields last night, Ryan, and the... Uh, the jockey had the whip out.
0: Indeed, Tom. And as you mentioned, we saw the 10-year touch a nine-month high of 4.215%. So we have continued to see those yields higher. And part of the reason for that is there's expectations tonight in the United States that we'll see retail sales growth of 0.4% in the month of July, indicating a resilient consumer.
1: That's probably been a surprising element of the equation in recent times, Ryan, is the resilience of the consumer. It's manifested in a couple of ways, not least of which has been the consumer confidence measure lately, but tonight, quite an important night.
0: Absolutely. In terms of retail spending, as I mentioned, a solid outcome is expected. We have heard from economists at Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, including our own CBA economists, who now have scrapped calls for a US recession. So, There could be some confusing numbers around the retail space when it comes to the earnings. So we get Home Depot tonight will be the first cab off the rank. We also saw Walmart shares down 1% overnight ahead of their earnings results later this week. Retailers will share more insights about spending patterns as investors weigh conflicting factors such as high food prices and low unemployment. So it could be a bit of a mixed bag, but there's hope, of course, that consumers continue to spend, eat into their savings, but, of course, inflation still remains ever-present.
1: Indeed. So I suppose if you're listening to this, you kind of think, oh, God, there's a lot of numbers and ideas being bandied around. But if you visualize a sine wave, which is like just a wave that goes up and down with peaks and troughs, what we're trying to do is work out where we are in that cycle of how spending earnings from retailers are are going, and there is a sense that we might be at the trough of one of those sine waves, thereabouts, and that when we look forward, there might be some sort of a, a consolidation at least, rather than a continuation of that wave moving down did that does that make sense that picture do you well it does
0: it? because of course during the pandemic we spent a lot of money on goods in particular and we're ordering stuff online and that dynamics change we're looking for experiences at the moment outside the pandemic and we have seen spending there pick up and that's led to a big pick up in spending on services travel in particular what we also have seen is also credit card purchases in the United States pick up as well at the same time so perhaps Americans are also using not only their savings, but also credit cards to continue to spend, but also at the same time, unemployment remains near 50-year lows and wages are increasing, so that's supportive of spending. One other thing quickly to note as well is we got the latest New York Federal Reserve survey around inflation expectations for consumers. Now, that's important, of course, because the moderation in expected inflation is likely to be viewed as a positive for the outlook on price pressures As policymakers view, the predicted path of inflation as a strongly influencing factor where it stands now. So what we saw overnight, consumers respond to the regional federal bank's report around their inflation expectations, which now stand at 3.5% over the year, which is down from 3.8%. So we've seen continued moderation in those expectations now at the lowest level since April 2021 at just 3.5% in July, Tom. And
1: we've spoken before quite a lot about how important consumer expectations around inflation are so central to a lot of things, particularly the way that central bankers are thinking about the near to medium term. What's interesting, though, is that interest rate markets last night did not necessarily respond to that. There's a little bit of a dislocation between what interest rate markets are doing and anecdotes from those surveys.
0: Well, we have seen a bunch of cooling key measures of inflation lately. Obviously, the focus there being on consumer prices. But the New York Fed survey said the public predicted lower rates of inflation for gasoline, food, medical costs, college costs and rent. So that's interesting in an environment where all prices have been lifting.
1: Indeed. That is the fly in the ointment as far as that conversation is concerned. Uh, one thing that stood out to me last night, Ryan, and you know for pretty obvious reasons, US steel, massive gain for that organization, up 36% after Cleveland Cliffs made a more than $7 billion bid for the organization. You know, what's interesting is the way that these organizations are almost a footnote to things at the moment. If you went back a hundred years or thereabouts, these organizations occupied the same space in investor thinking that companies like Amazon. Alphabet, Microsoft—you know these were the uh, organisations that drove the U.S. economy forward. The names associated with them are in our lexicon today: J.P. Morgan, Charles Schwab, you know, Carnegies, Mellons. Those families dominated that space, and it's interesting to note that they have now been replaced by a, a new set of companies and it'll be interesting to think in a hundred years time you know what will emerge in terms of the new industrial giants in the u.s economy it's an interesting time as well for
0: mergers and acquisition activity particularly in the steel space given what's going on in china at the moment as well so certainly m&a activity is happening with a backdrop of uncertainty around chinese iron ore prices and and the property sector more generally so it's interesting time to obviously Get involved in that type of
1: activity. Yeah, the timing of that transaction is quite interesting given what's going on, as you rightly say, with the iron ore price and, Ryan, the concerns about the Chinese property space, which certainly weighed on the commodity space locally for the market yesterday, wasn't necessarily reflected in Northern Hemisphere concerns last night. I suppose there was a devaluation of the uh, Argentinian currency last night. We saw Interest rates jacked up there, we saw the Russian ruble fall to a sixteen month low you know in those peripheral currencies there are a lot of concern you would normally see you know some sort of flight to quality which didn't necessarily emerge last night where treasuries are concerned It's worth keeping your eye on that space. you can sometimes see black swans come out of nowhere uh, where those sorts of things are concerned there's plenty of historical evidence of that well
0: emerging markets usually catch a cold when there's something wrong with china and, and and certainly there is at the moment so what we did see yesterday is china's top private property developer country garden sought to delay payment on a private onshore bond for the first time so the crisis of major property developer country garden is highlighting the vulnerability of china's steel mills and iron ore prices to the troubled housing sector A default by Country Garden would impact the real estate market more than the collapse of China Evergrande, which we saw in the last couple of years, as it has four times as many projects. So China's property sector accounts for about 40% of China's steel demand. So this will have the potential to stop property developers from buying steel for quite a period of time and it'll impact iron ore prices, and we're seeing... Property investment likely to have shrunk when the data is released today out of China in July for the 15th consecutive month. So property investment's likely to fall by 8% in July year on year. We can also get the updates on industrial production. We're expecting to see a a modest easing there from 4.4% to 4.3% year on year in July for that. Retail sales, which will be a big focus, will remain very modest, up 4% in July over the year and fixed asset investment at 3.7% remaining pretty subdued. So those Chinese economic numbers out around lunchtime will have a big influence over the Aussie mining space today. And what we did see in Europe overnight was the mining sector being the biggest drag. European mining stocks were down 1.5%, touching a 10-month intraday low.
1: The question is today, how is the market likely to respond to the inevitable weakness in these figures? Uh, We've already marked down prices quite a bit yesterday. Whether or not that continues today remains to be resolved. It's difficult to see the market being calmed uh, by any initial initiative to come out of China. It is going to have to be a progressive work that reassures that there is something meaningful going on because it has been piecemeal uh, in terms of the Administration's approach to supporting the Chinese economy in recent times. What do you reckon uh, the market's response would be to a weaker set of numbers?
0: Certainly, if we get even weaker numbers than expected, then of course we'll expect a continuing sell off there. But at the same time, we, we have seen certainly a big focus today on what's expected to be a very important economic update on Australian wages growth. Exactly. Yep. So today, the June quarter numbers come out. And we're forecasting that wages will lift by 0.9% in the June quarter. We expect individual and enterprise agreements to support solid wage cost growth in transport and storage, information, media, construction, wholesale and retail trade, accommodation and food, professional administration services. So wages are likely to lift by 3.7% over the year. That would be the strongest yearly pay since 2012. But it's worth bearing in mind that the update from the Fair Work Commission around award and the minimum wage won't be included in these numbers until the following quarter. So wages growth is r- are expected to get stronger. We're expecting to see wages growth of 4% later this year, if not at the beginning of next year, but that's well within the Reserve Bank's forecast at the moment. They've got wages growth at 3.75% for the June quarter, for example, which be broadly around the expected
1: numbers. So that's the line in the sand today. Uh, something substantially north of 3.7% would rankle the markets uh, at a time when they're concerned about the growth in China. And then the other layer, of course, is the weight of corporate reporting today. We've got a, another cavalcade of organisations reporting results today. Amongst them, CSL, Cochlear, Seek, and we've got the NAB with a quarterly update as well. So there will be a lot to digest for investors today, it'll be a question of whether or not we see volatility or there will be just a constipation by the weight of information that will be delivered to investors today.
0: Well, certainly when CSL announces its earnings, investors' ears will prick back. And and the reason for that, it's the third largest company on the Australian share market. It's the largest healthcare company. Biotech juggernaut CSL has big questions to answer when it reports its earnings today, including how it's managing costs in the post-pandemic era and the performance of its iron deficiency treatments business it bought for a huge $16 billion last year. So there'll be a big focus on CSL Vifor, for example, in In, these numbers.
1: Indeed. There was a lot of disquiet about how that acquisition would fit into the broader strategy of the organisation, and it's been a little underwhelming in the initial periods thereafter. It's a question of whether or not something tangible is going to emerge today, uh, to your point, Ryan. So uh, just quickly, we've got the Aussie dollar Not vastly changed from where it was yesterday afternoon.
0: Yes, we're seeing the Aussie dollar dip from 65.03 US cents to 64.55 US cents. So that's around the lowest level in about nine months and is currently near 64.85 US cents.
1: So a big day for the local market. Good luck with that and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow morning.